from KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Great Bar Sports Open Line. Those bit swings, and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Great Bar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Here we go. Now, Matt Pauley on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go. One more night that I must disappoint you, Joe Pot, in for Matt Pauly. If you were expecting Matt, he is out for uh, just tonight now. Uh, he's been out for the week, deserve a much-deserved vacation for Matt Pauly. He'll be back tomorrow, just as the Cardinals are back tomorrow. They will open the, uh, quote-unquote, second half of the season tomorrow. The All-Star break coming to a close, and the Washington Nationals coming to town Tomorrow night. And that leads us uh, into what is happening tonight here on the program. Well, we will have lots of baseball talk, specifically in our 7 o'clock hour. That, of course, is our strike zone hour coming up then. Before that, we'll talk to Joey Zanaboni in our first segment coming up here. I guess it's our second segment technically here in the 6 o'clock hour. The voice of St. Louis City SC on our sister station, Y98. We'll chat with him about what uh, what went down last night in L.A. They split on the road trip. They won Toronto. They beat uh, Toronto 1-0. They dropped the game last night 3-0 to LAFC. We'll talk about that with Joey Zanaboni. We'll also talk to him about what's coming up for St. Louis City as they'll they'll face Miami coming up here uh, over the weekend and then it's a break from MLS play it's not a break from gameplay but much like they already have played in the U.S. Open Cup they'll play now in the League's Cup coming up and we'll explain that a little bit we'll talk to Joey Zanaboni about that and how that all plays into this schedule for St. Louis City SC but then as I mentioned in the seven o'clock hour we'll get into baseball with uh, William Leach William Leach, I said. Will Leach, I'm looking at his Twitter handle, which is William F. Leach. But Will Leach, of course, will join us coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. He uh, is an MLB.com writer. You can read him in the Atlantic. He's got many books out, but he is also, among uh, many things, a very uh, hardcore Cardinal fan. So we'll talk to him about the Cardinals and the plight of this Cardinal team right now. Jesse Doherty is the Washington Post beat writer for the Washington Nationals. As previously mentioned, the Nationals will be here at Bush Stadium on Friday to start a three-game series with the Redbirds. So we'll get a little preview of that series and what's to come from the Nationals. Cards have seen them once this year. They took two out of three in Washington. Actually, it was a really good stretch for the Cardinals right at that point, right when they went to Washington the first time. They had won the last two in the series with the Mets. They dropped, or then they won the first two in the series with the Nationals before losing that nasty sloppy rainy game on that Thursday before they took the break and then went to London but we'll talk to uh, Jesse about that series coming up and we do have time for your calls probably in both hours so if you want to uh, get in line at some point it'll probably be uh, after the after 6 30 or so in hour number one but we will have time to take some calls 314-436-7900 if you want to get in and talk about uh Really anything that you would like to. Certainly I know that maybe the Cardinals are going to kind of gear that to, are going to lead that conversation, but that's fine. We can do that because we're going to talk a lot about the Cardinals anyway. They've also released the 2024 MLB schedule, including the Cardinals schedule. So we can talk about the Cardinals schedule a little bit. And, uh, I mean, it's it's going to be pretty similar, obviously, as it is in most years. This will be 2024 will be the second year now that every team – 
faces every team. So that looks a little bit different than it's looked in the past. But I think fans are, you know, experiencing that now and getting to see some of those teams that you're not used to seeing on a yearly basis. You see some of these American League teams. If you're the Cardinals, Cardinals fans, you see some of these American League teams periodically, or you'd see like the American League Central, for example, or or one year they'd play the West, whatever it is. So now you're seeing more of those teams each year. So that's been interesting. And it's been two straight years here with a team like the Yankees in town. That's obviously a big draw for uh, not just Cardinals fans, but baseball fans, I think. And so that's been kind of fun. And so that's a little bit of another different aspect. They'll play another special game. They'll play down uh, in Birmingham at Rickwood Field. That's the oldest ballpark in the country. So that will happen coming up in June. So we can get into their schedule as well. But certainly if you would like to get in, like I said, uh, please do so. 314-436-7900. That's the number to call. And again, it'll be probably right after probably 635 or so that we'll be able to get into some calls. We'll have Joey Zanaboni coming up here in just a few minutes to talk a little bit more about St. Louis City. We can talk about that, too, if you'd like to get in and talk about St. Louis City, because even even though they dropped that game last night, I think there definitely were some high points to the game last night. But more importantly, they maintain their lead at the top of the conference. And that was something I talked about yesterday, that regardless of what result came from last night's game, they had put themselves into position to be able to withstand a loss, if that's the way it went down. And obviously obviously that's the way it did. But when you go into that game, you know, if you go into that game tighter, whether it's tied at the top, you're a point ahead, a couple points ahead, there's a ton more pressure if you don't get a result out of that game as it is, you didn't get a result and you've got a two point lead clear at the top of the conference because you went in with a five point cushion on LAFC. And then you get help last night, San Jose beat Seattle last night. So Seattle stays three points back in the conference. So it is certainly not a worst case scenario by any means to drop that game last night. But it was because they had the three wins coming into that game that they were in a really good position going into L.A. last night. And uh, that didn't change after the loss. So, And you lost to a good team. And Bradley Carnell said that. We played a little bit of that uh, interview that he had early in the week just talking about what to expect from LAFC. And the you know the basic tone was, yes, they've, they've maybe been on a little bit of a tough run of play, but... They've had a busy schedule. Jen Cease talked about that on the show last night as well, that they had a busy schedule leading into this one. So that unfortunate run of play, if you will, from them doesn't necessarily reflect on what kind of team it is. And that's what Bradley Carnell was pointing out, that this is still a really good team with really good pieces. And they were going to be a tough team regardless of what the records were coming in or what the run of play was coming in. And, As he said, uh, St. Louis City was going to give it their best. And as it was, 70 minutes or so was was good. It was a much tighter game. But, man, after that 70th minute, they kind of opened it up. And uh, LAFC scored three goals late in that second half to put them away. But we'll get into more of that. Coming up uh, on the other side of our first break here, we'll visit with Joey Zanaboni. He is the voice of St. Louis City SC. He's coming up on the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Joe Pot with you on Camo X. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Joe Pike in from 
this week on the Graybar Sports Open Line as we work our way through. Uh, I mentioned last night that usually the All-Star break is that downtime, no sports, but that has changed this summer in St. Louis for the better with the addition of uh, St. Louis City SC, the Major League Soccer franchise, of course, that plays right up the road from our studio here. And the man that you hear call their games on our sister station, Y98, is Joey Zanaboni. And he joins us now, fresh uh, off a probably late flight from Los Angeles last, ni- last night. Joey, thanks for some time tonight. Hey, what's up, yo? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, uh, great to be with you. And uh, yeah, great to be back from the West Coast. And before that, uh, the other side of the, uh, well, I would say the country, the other side, I guess the other side of the, uh, of two countries, but uh, starting this road trip in Toronto. And I think one of the biggest takeaways that I had that I was talking about yesterday even is that, you know, going into that game, regardless of the outcome, City knew it was in good position at the top of the conference because of the work it had done leading up to last night's game. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think it goes back to that road win in San Jose, pulling out a 2-1 result. Uh, I guess now that would be three road games go, four games overall. But it spurs the team on. It gave the team a new confidence. Getting out and getting some contributions from some guys who there too for maybe had not, uh, you know, been on the results sheet, been on the stat sheet quite as much. So it was a cool victory. It was one where I think they showed themselves they can hang on to a, a lead a one-goal lead late after, uh, you know, letting a win become a tie against the LA Galaxy on June 11th. And they played really well, you know, at home. Obviously, things have gone uh, well. Go up to Toronto, and that's a tough team. And even though they haven't had the season they've wanted, uh, there's a lot of talent on the field, and there's a lot of passion from the players who are out there for Toronto and from the fan base as well. So pulling that out and pulling out another one-goal victory on the road I mean, I think it showed the metal of this team, and I think it reinforced as we get to the two-thirds marker of the season that this team really is special. I heard you and Dale talking at the end of that Toronto game about, you know, there there is something to a team being able to finish a game, even if it's a one nothing game, to hold on to that lead, to finish the game. And it's it speaks to what you were just talking about, that mental side of we can do this. It doesn't have to be a... 3-0 win or a 4-1 to win, we can hang on and win a one-goal game, and it's just another side of this team that makes this team more dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, because I think that the team's toughness has increased through the season. I mean, obviously got out to a 5-0-0 start and have had this, this incredible season, but I think the people who have observed the team closely and have seen every game and have, have really been able to watch the growth have seen that this team has become more fit and tougher as the year's gone along. And as we make the turn into the final third of the season, I mean, I think we're seeing how close these games are going to be down the stretch of the year. And City is unbeaten 12 games when we've scored first. Uh, Ten of those 12 have been wins, a couple of draws in there as well. And so, you know, being able to hold on to that lead that's built early, being able to battle and being able to show some resilience yeah, I mean, I think that's what it's all about for this team because I think the eyes are you know, starting to turn to what happens after October 21st, the final regular season game. Uh, this team, I mean, seems virtually assured of the playoffs and seems destined for something even more. So the, the toughness is going to be key down the stretch, and they're doing a good job to cultivate that. 
Joey Zanaboni is the voice of St. Louis City SC on our sister station, Y98. Of course, uh, a high point of last night's game there in the 69th minute, uh, the return of Edward Leuven. That That's a big deal. Um, and and a, why do you think it's important that they were able to bring him back before this League's Cup break? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's first off just great to see that, hey, right on track with what the estimate was at the time, four weeks, he gets back in, he gets an opportunity uh, to show and I think remind everyone just how gosh darn good he is, not only in the game yesterday, but really in practice throughout the week uh, at Pepperdine out there in L.A. I mean, wow, the things that he can do in the dimension that he brings is incredible, and the magnetism that he has has really been the vital force of this team from day one. I always think back on that Joao Klaus goal in Austin in the season opener, February 25th. It was really set up by Leuven whirling a ball out of the middle on the St. Louis side in in an extremely tight space. And right from that first game, he set everybody else up. He's also been a guy who stepped up and buried the ball in the back of the net when it's necessary. And I think that it's a big shot of confidence for a team that's already played well without him defying expectations of some who thought the team would would you know suffer a major downturn when Leuven goes out on June 13th but his team played well obviously still in first place in the Western Conference and now given that chance to coalesce around their leader this is a process you know he'll be worked back into the lineup and worked back in uh, to the rotation obviously he's coming off an injury that kept him out for a month they're going to go slowly. But getting that process started, using the League's Cup, it's going to benefit this team as we come down the stretch of the MLS season. Joe, you mentioned uh, Joe Klaus. Is there an update on Klaus at all? Yeah, you know, no update at this time. But we're we're really optimistic that Klaus is going to be able to make an impact for this team this season. And I think that, you know, when he does get back, I think the sky's the limit for this team. Because you also have to remember that Joachim Nielsen, who does have – I wouldn't say a definite timeline, but uh, a somewhat definite timeline now of coming back seemingly in late July, early August. When he gets back with this roster, then you're talking about Lou and Klaus, talking about Nielsen. You're talking about everybody being healthy, this group at full strength at the right time when a lot of other teams may be wearing down over the course of this eight-month MLS campaign. So uh, I think the timing is going to favor City down the stretch and it's going to be another arrow in the quiver for this team. So let's talk about the uh, League's Cup that's coming up for for folks that may not uh, understand or be familiar with it, How and, and maybe they got a little taste of what it's sort of like because they've played, obviously, in the U.S. Open Cup already this year. But after the Inter-Miami game this weekend, they're going to take a decent break from MLS games to participate in the League's Cup. Yeah, yeah, and I can understand why you know that might be confusing because the first game is July 23rd against an MLS team, the Columbus Crew, who have done, I mean, really well on the Eastern Conference side. A very good team going out to see them now in under two weeks. And it won't count in the MLS standings, but it's a great chance to see where you're at, both against an MLS team of that caliber and also against uh, one of the prestige teams in all of North America. Club America is coming to City Park on July the 27th. Make sure you download the STL City SC app for information on tickets. You're going to want to get to this game because it is going to be a special atmosphere. Obviously, the season has been full of incredible atmospheres at City Park, but this will be a unique dimension 
because it's giving fans the opportunity to see how the MLS stacks up against Liga MX, the top Mexican league, and they're bringing their best teams. Uh, MLS has its best teams. It's going to be a display of talent uh, that has rarely been seen in North America. It's all going to be through Apple TV, and we're going to have uh, an opportunity to really show the world, I think, what St. Louis City Soccer is all about. So make sure you stay tuned here as we get into this break. The final regular season MLS game before the break is uh, against Inter-Miami on Saturday, going to the League's Cup break until August 20th. But you're going to want to see what happens in between. And there's so many soccer fans in the U.S. that have their allegiances in other leagues like Liga MX. And so this is a cool opportunity as well for some of those fans to get a chance to see the other leagues or the other teams that they're following maybe in their hometowns. Yeah, and that's one of the fascinating things about soccer blooming, MLS soccer blooming here in St. Louis, where usually it's like you're born and you have a team that's in your town and you root for them forever. And with soccer, it's almost kind of an inverse where because there was no uh, top-level professional team here for so many years, people look out and they say, okay, uh, beyond the borders of America, here are my favorite teams. And now we're kind of coming back inward as this, uh, as this team has bloomed here in downtown West. So it's, it's a fascinating uh, thing to observe, not just, I think, from a sports perspective, but really from a, a social perspective, how people relate to these teams uh, is really cool. And to bring some of the great teams from around the world, whether it's with something like the Gold Cup just a couple of weeks ago at City Park, uh, U.S. Men's National Team friendly in September, uh, or something like League's Cup, I mean, to bring the top talent to St. Louis, it feels both surprising and as a homecoming because we know that the, the great tradition of this city uh, is very much a home for this top-tier talent. Joey Zanaboni with us. One more thing. Uh, let's uh, look ahead to Saturday. Inter-Miami comes in here, a team obviously that is struggling near the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Uh, mm-hmm. Give us an idea of what to expect from that game Saturday. Yeah, I mean, City is hot right now. Top of the Western Conference, 38 points. Uh, the team is playing extremely well and has a chance to become the only team in the Western Conference to go north of 40 points uh, come the League's Cup break. Though Inter-Miami has hit some lows this season, obviously the future is extremely bright. Leo Messi, Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba will join the team. Unfortunately, from a fan's perspective, they will not be at City Park on July 15th. They are expected to debut about a week later. Uh, Fortunately, though, from the calculated mathematical side, I mean, I think that's good to not have Leo Messi on the other side as far as getting points go. Uh, This Inter-Miami team uh, that has not had Messi this year, I mean, they've struggled. There's not really two ways about it. They're they're pretty much consistently in the bottom five of the MLS. They haven't put together a great stretch of games this season. Still, though, there's a lot of young talent. They've used a lot uh, of their academy talent, and none other than Bruce Arena – has sized this team up as being one of the most talented, not one of the most uh, ready to win right now, but one of the most talented up-and-coming teams before they get the greatest player of all time in Leo Messi. So know that they're dangerous. 
City had a unique lineup last night that I think did allow certain players to get some rest. Tim Parker, for example, was not active last night, uh, but should be ready to go and should be uh, anchoring a defense that I think is going to have its hands full with a pretty fiery Miami offense. But ultimately, I think the quality, the assuredness, the confidence, and ultimately the joy that this city team has shown playing at home all year long is going to prevail and send the first big mile marker, the two-thirds mile marker, the League's Cup break, send the fans home at that break really happy. Joey Zanaboni, the voice of St. Louis City SC. Appreciate you catching up with us and talking a little soccer here on a Thursday night, man. Dude, absolutely. Thanks so much, and let's go City. You got it. That is Joey Zanaboni, the voice of St. Louis City. You hear him on our sister station, Y98, as City gets set to take on Inter-Miami coming up on Saturday. We'll come back for more here on the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. We can take your calls, 314-436-7900. Back after the break on KMOX. It's the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Joe Pot in for Matt Pauley as the Graybar Sports Open Line continues here on a Thursday night. Last night that you have to endure KMOX without Cardinals baseball for a while. So I know that for some folks that is a uh, very good thing. Cardinals will be back tomorrow night. We'll talk plenty of baseball coming up in our second hour here on the Gray Bar Sports Up line as we get into our strike zone programming coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. So that'll be fun. We've got Will Leach to come, and we'll look at the National Series as well, which is first on deck for the Cardinals after the break. A couple of things uh, to chat about. This is uh, also something you could certainly weigh in on if you wanted to, if you wanted to give a call at 436-7900, but the uh, NCAA Basketball Committee came out today and it was reported, in fact, reported by the NCAA, that, that they are discussing expanding the men's basketball championship. So, you know, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Tell me your, your thoughts on that. But here is, so just to give you an idea, the last time the tournament was expanded, it was just, a, it went from 65 to 68 in 2011. In 01 was the first year that you had the play-in game. It was just the one play-in game, if you recall. So then in 2011 is when we got the first four. So it went from 64 to 65 in 2011. But it was at 64 since 1985. So they expanded from 53 to 64 in 1985. And in 1985, there were 282 Division I schools I believe that number is approaching or real close to 350 right now. So there is obviously many more schools that are Division I institutions that were not at the time. A lot of schools have made the jump from Division II to Division One. You probably know that I'm working uh, the full-time gig is at SIU Edwardsville. They made the move in 2008 from Division Two to Division One, Of course, more recently, Lindenwood made the jump last year from Division Two to Division One. So the landscape has changed a lot from that, from when they decided that 64 was the number. And I know a lot of people, I've seen a lot of reaction all day today, especially from a lot of sports writers. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Don't make any changes. 
I see both sides of that, and I and I'm uh, you know I guess that there's a little bit of a conflict of interest as someone who is gainfully employed by one of those lower level Division One teams because that's who I would like to benefit from an expansion. Though candidly, I don't know that they would benefit from an expansion. I think what you would get from an expansion is farther down the bigger conferences. You already get the majority of you know almost all of like the SEC, the Big Ten. They're getting their bids in the NCAA tournament. Are you going to start getting now? Maybe it helps. Maybe it helps a a Missouri Valley conference, right? Maybe it helps one of those more so than say like the Ohio Valley Conference, which is where SIUE is. It's where Lindenwood is at. Uh, there was a, that is one of the lower level conferences that are almost always a one bid league. It just is the way it is. They were a two bid league. I think three years ago, maybe it was it was Belmont and Murray State, and it was the last year that Rick Bird was coaching at Belmont. He was a legendary coach, and I truly believe, wholeheartedly believe, that a big part of the reason that that Belmont earned that second bid, and not that they weren't good, but was because of the of Rick Bird going out uh, retiring. So, but and I'm trying to find the number of Division One schools. I haven't found that yet. Uh, <laughs> But it is a, I still want to say it's like right around the 350 mark. That that's how many there are at this point. The 362, so I was a little bit low even. So from 282 in 1985 when they first went to 64 to 362 now here within the last couple of years that they've gone to that point and we're still at now only 68 teams. And the only reason they've expanded to that point, they had to go to the 65 teams because they added an automatic bid. And so you have to, they had, they wanted to keep the automatic bids, but then they've gone obviously to the 68 and they've introduced the first four, but you could do that. Even if you expand it, you know, you could expand it to four more teams. You could do a couple of nights of uh, like the first four. So you could do that on the Monday and the Tuesday. And then the Monday teams end up playing in the, Friday first round games where those Tuesday teams end up playing in the Thursday first round games. So they're still getting the, or the other way around, I guess, Monday plays Thursday, Tuesday plays Friday. You could still do it. So they have a couple of days in between and that's not an issue. I mean, teams do that all the time because teams are doing that in their in season tournaments. Look at Thanksgiving, look at Christmas, they're playing back to back games. And then when you get into that first round, you're playing the Thursday, Saturday, or Friday, Sunday. You do the same thing in the second round during the Sweet 16. To get down to the Sweet 16, you're getting to, once you get to the Sweet 16, where you play just with a game in between. So there's no worry that, you know, adding that extra game with a couple of days in between would be an issue. And I think you do get the opportunity to get some more teams in. And like I said, I would like it to benefit some of those lower level teams. I don't know if that'll be the case. I think that it would more likely benefit some of the uh, middle of the road teams from the bigger conferences that'll get those extra bids, but just a sheer number of bids, just the volume, more bids means more teams are involved. And so that gives more of those teams theoretically an opportunity to get a spot in the NCAA tournament. And I think we all love I think as sports fans, we love the NCAA tournament. And the thing we love about the NCAA tournament is that on any given night, one of those teams can creep up. The Maryland, Baltimore counties of the world can creep up and beat the Virginia on uh, any given night. The uh, Norfolk State can 
creep up and beat a Mizzou on any given night. Those are the things that happen in the NCAA tournament. And I believe, again, probably skewed, probably biased, that uh, more of those mid-major Division I teams mean more opportunity for those crazy upsets and the fun buzzer beaters and all the things that we like about the NCAA tournament. So they are just discussing it. There is nothing more than that, but that's certainly interesting and something to keep our eyes on. We'll take another break here on the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. We'll come back. We'll wrap up our number one. We'll get ready for the strike zone in our number two as we continue here on a Thursday night. Joe Pot with you on KMOX. Is the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Goes mid swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Joe Pot back in on a Thursday night as we finish up our first hour of the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Uh, if you get in quick, we can get a little bit of calls in. If you'd like, 314-436-7900. If you don't, fine, then don't call, and we'll just keep going with how we're doing things. I'd like to talk to folks, but I know this is, you know, I I think, and I said this last night, when you get into the All-Star break, and uh, Kyle Sixth is behind the board for us tonight, and Kyle and I were talking about it too, just that, you know, there is also the tendency maybe to take a breath. You're listening or watching Cardinals baseball, sports, and you get a you get a break here. You get a couple of days break, and so that's fine. I get it. I totally understand. That is uh, no big deal. Here's another story that I was kind of following today that I was looking at. Is Mizzou has started really, I guess, honing in their uh, their NIL, their name image likeness, which as St. Louis University has as well, kind of collaborating to help the student athletes. So their NIL collective, every true tiger brands, they have pizzas and they have put those pizzas in schnook stores in St. Louis schnook stores. And they feature Mizzou athletes as, as far as I can tell, they're going to feature Mizzou athletes that are in season. So the first pizzas are hitting stores here shortly and they're called pizza with the Mizzou crew. I'm taking this off the uh, KMOV uh, story that I saw, and it features uh, football players, Tigers defensive stars, as a matter of fact. Tyron Hopper, Ennis Rakestraw Jr., and Chris Abrams-Drain are the sort of cover models, if you will, for the pizza with the crew. It's uh, I'm just looking at a picture, and it says, I think it says Mega Meat. So there's a lot, which would make sense, right, for the defensive linemen or the defensive stars for the Missouri football team. I just think that's, you know, there's so much has been said about NAL. There's still so much that needs to be legislated with the NIL. And so it is, it has been said from the start that it is not supposed to be used to uh, keep student athletes at an institution or to uh, woo student athletes to an institution, to recruit student athletes to an institution, when it probably has, more than likely has. This is more of the way that it was intended to be used in order to give the student-athletes the opportunity to capitalize on their name, image, likeness, which is exactly what it has, is, is what it stands for, the NIL. That is, the, that is why it was enacted. That is what the original uh, lawsuit was about 
when it was targeting the video games and making the money on the video games. And then, of course, the apparel and the stuff that is being sold and, of course, the money that is being made on tickets and while all this is coming from what the student-athletes are doing on the field or on the court or whatever the situation is. So this is a way, and as I said, uh, St. Louis has done the same thing with their center of champions, sort of consolidating the resources there to give them the opportunity to take advantage of resources and take advantage of some of these opportunities um, I don't believe that schools are able to actually like broker these deals. I don't, I don't think so. That's where this NIL collective comes in that they are able to put those deals together and they've now got frozen pizzas and you can find them in schnooks. And I believe that they are going to change based on the way it looks is that they're going to change based on the in season student athletes. So it's not just, it says also that they're going to follow with ice cream, candy, snacks, coffee, and cookies. So there's a lot there. Luther Burden, the East St. Louis, former East St. Louis star, the Mizzou star, he had a deal with Emos really quickly in his tenure, right, as he was signed to his deal at Mizzou. So, again, that's another way that I think is more what the intent of NIL is. And, in fact, Eli Drinkowitz is quoted in this article saying that to to do a local partnership something specific to the area where they're in that is the true he said his words true intent of the nil so that i think that's really cool and so you can look for that in schnook stores and you can celebrate your mizzou fandom with a mizzou branded frozen pizza and soon with a mizzou branded carton of ice cream and or candy or Coffee or cookies. I don't know who I'd be interested to know what, like what group they're partnering with. Who's making this frozen pizza, right? Like, I don't know what company is making this frozen pizza that they're able to put their branding and their uh, name, image, and likeness on. And so who's making the ice cream and who's making the candy? I don't know those answers and they aren't, uh, I don't think they're in there. I didn't see that in the article, but I just think that's kind of cool that they get that opportunity and I do agree that I think that feels that feels more natural and feels more like what the intent of the NIL should be is the opportunity to let these guys endorse local businesses and local products. And for Luther Burden, I assume he's a big Emos fan. Who wouldn't be a big Emos fan? So that's I think that's a cool that's a real both of these are real sort of St. Louis and Missouri type partnerships with Schnooks being a very local company, Emos being a very very local company as well. We're coming up on the end of our first hour here on the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. We've got hour number two to come. It will be baseball focused as we get into the strike zone for hour number two. We'll hear from Will Leach. We'll hear from Jesse Doherty as well. He's the beat writer for the Washington Nationals. We can get into the Cardinals 2024 schedule. Uh, Again, if you'd like to get involved, you can do that as well. 314-436-7900. We're coming back after the news for hour number two on KMOX. I'm Joe Pott. It's the Gray Bar Sports Open Line.